the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Uh, talking to you from San Antonio. Welcome to the show, my friends. The El Conservador show is sponsored by Border Hawk News. If there's anything that you want to know about what's going on with migration patterns, with immigration across the world and in the United States, Border Hawk is the place to go. So I really, really want to thank them for their support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, I want to thank all of you for tuning in, my friends. Thank you for supporting the show. We've got a great, great lineup for you. Last week, we had some super good people on it. This week, we've got some great ones, too. First of all, uh, we've got um, Miss Kelly Perry, who is a state Republican Party official. And uh, she happens to represent... Uh, a part of the state which borders right on the uh, Rio Grande at, at the Mexican border. She is going to talk about uh, the the uh, things that she that her district is experiencing uh, with regards to uh, the border crisis. She gets to talk to a lot of the a lot of the ranchers, the the common working folks in uh, in that district, and uh, she's going to give you. Uh, I mean, she is. She's not going to give you a political spin. She is going to tell you exactly what's going on. We also have Mr. Randy Clark. Randy is a reporter with Breitbart. He uh, is also a former Border Patrol agent. So uh, if anybody knows how to look at the border crisis, it is Randy. And Randy's going to chat with us about the situation with the Ukrainians at the border. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nasty open secret that we've got. Uh, where the Ukrainians are beginning to, uh, they're flying into Mexico, and uh, then they're, fly, they're they're walking across the border. Why? Because it's easy easy way to enter. However, the um, the border patrol, the uh, Biden administration, is telling the border patrol that they need to crack down on the Ukrainians. Now, which I find to be very very interesting, because why crack down on the Ukrainians? And not uh, the uh, Haitians, the Nigerians, the Guatemalans. What about them? Oh, those folks are from the third world. They are people of color. Uh, Do I sense discrimination here? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, it's akin to affirmative action. Affirmative action for breaking the law, uh, the the immigration laws, I guess. So so Randy's going to be chatting with us about that. Then we've got uh, Mr. Todd Benzman. Mr. Benzman, Todd is a very, very good friend, and he is with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is going to talk to us, my friends, about another nasty open secret. I mean, there are rapists, criminals, uh, murderers sneaking into the country on a regular basis, not to mention the ordinary, common, run-of-the-mill illegal alien. But we've got criminals coming in. We also have people with diseases coming in as well. So, uh, you know, not only do we have the the, the, the run-of-the-mill illegal alien that breaks immigration law. We've also got criminals sneaking in, as well as people that are sick. Well, we have a fourth group, and these folks are terrorists. There have been at least 42 identified, 42 terrorists identified that have entered the country. Todd is going to talk to us about that situation, because, my friends, I, I, I'm not sure what these folks in Washington and this administration are thinking. But it certainly has nothing to do with the public safety of Americans. I guarantee it has nothing to do with the public safety of Americans. On uh, on Thursday, 
uh, or no, on Wednesday, excuse me, on Wednesday, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas faced the, uh, the uh, House uh, committee on, on the border, and he got blasted. But with a straight face, my friends, with a straight face, he said, he said that the border was under control. Yeah, that's what he's, I'm not sure what world, what parallel universe these Democrats, these liberals are on. But my friends, I guarantee, I guarantee that they are not on the same wavelength that we are. Uh, I, I just can't imagine somebody who is an official saying that. Our, um, our final guest is none other than Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, Dinesh is an old friend from uh, Washington, D.C., from Reagan years. I met him at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, he used to, he was uh, just starting out his ventures here in the United States and in conservatism. Dinesh is going to be talking to us about a movie that I encourage everyone to che- check out. It's called 2,000 Mules, and it is a documentary about the 2020 election. How it was run, and I'll say that phrase, how it was operated by the Democrats, okay? How votes were handled. That's all I will say. I encourage everyone to check it out. Go to uh, go to the website, uh, 20, 2000 Mules, and check it out. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest, Miss Kelly Perry. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we've got uh, our good friend, Miss Kelly Perry, who is the state uh, Republican. She is on the state Republican Executive Committee uh, in District 19. And uh, the reason I reached out to her, that I want her to be on the show, is that uh, this past weekend, she and several other folks uh, went to the border and uh, visited it and got a briefing from the Border Patrol. Now, uh, it's important for folks to know that um, Kelly's district uh, is uh, on the border. It, it, uh, it uh, touches the border. So she's got to deal with these issues constantly. Uh, Kelly, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us, what did you uh, find or what did you see uh, when you uh, went to the border this weekend? Anything different, uh, continuing uh, problem? What, uh, what did you see? Good morning, George. Um, it was, you know, it seems like uh, if we had tried months and months ago to to curb some of this, it would have been easier. Now, listening to the uh, Border Patrol and, and others in the area, it's, it's such a big, big problem now that... Um, People are trying to do their jobs, but I always just, you know, I always say you can't put that genie back in the bottle. And the numbers that just keep growing and growing, and people asked to do a job that basically they are just asked to break the law. And um, you know, when when um, border patrol was hard, and they, you know, they came on with an oath to protect us, and I, you can you can really see how hard it is for them not to uphold the law to be to be asked by our federal government to to break it on a daily basis and you can see it in the morale and you can see it in their uh, demeanor and voices that you know they they're they're trying and doing the best they can but when you have uh, strong morals that most of these men have or uh, all of them I've ever met to be told as as adults individuals that know in their heart what's right and wrong and being told on a daily basis to to help these people break the law and um it's uh it's a sad it's a sad thing to watch what what we're doing to um federal law enforcement the uh you know since your district is right on the border what do you hear from people and voters in your area what is it that you're hearing? Um, the same, the, the same thing that we we have for so long, but you're seeing it. We're living it. You know, you don't predict the future. And when we jumped on this crazy train, 
were, were forced on this train. Um, you know, months and months ago, we were just living day to day. And, and, and I know in our hearts, we were just hoping it was a short-term thing. And it's not going away. And it's going to become bigger and bigger. And uh, ranches are for sale out here. And the scary part is, is that, um, you know, it's known already in, in southern Texas that those are being bought up by, by cartel. So, in a way, it's uh, they're pushing us out. I mean, they're they're trying to push us out. That way, they control more of the Texas highways, um, able to transfer people and drugs and everything because they they're going to be all living here now and not just transporting across the border. Wow, that that that's really now. What about other issues besides immigration? Uh, like the economy, uh, the the price of gas. Uh, I mean, you you know you you represent huge expanses of uh, Texas. What are you hearing about folks who are um, dealing with that aspect of it? I don't think there's anyone. I mean, no one. You've got you know you've got your uh, elderly that are on fixed income. You know, some days I think they have to choose. Do they? Uh, eat or do they put gas in their cars? Why? Why does that have to be an issue? You know, we uh, we're seeing some of the shortages already. We're further out. They're starting to um, try to get ahead of the new wave. You know, that's coming from Mexico. And and even though they have stopped Title Forty Two for a little bit, which I'm, I'm very glad on that, they're they're still coming in. They're still crossing the border, and, um, you know, I always like that saying, what we see today, San Antonio is going to see tomorrow, and uh, during the Haitian invasion, you know, we had a huge shortage on groceries. I can't imagine what our our immediate future, well, and our distant futures, going to hold when you don't know how many people you're even feeding in your in your area that if you know they order based on what was bought last year at this time or last month at this time uh the shortage that's fixing to occur is scary and uh where i live i live 30 miles from uh one town uh del rio and i live 38 miles probably one place in our town to get gas one there's only one place to get gas in your community yeah true that's it so you don't have a choice on the price. You don't. You can't shop for a little bit less. Um, it's and when our tanks run out here, you're you're basically stranded. Exactly. I mean, you're you need a full tank of gas out there in in in, in those those wide open spaces. Uh, let me close. Let me close with this. Let me ask you this one last question. Um, do you think that people? are going to go to the polls and vote according to what you're seeing with immigration and with gas shortages and all that sort of stuff. Do you do you see that coming? I do. I, I think that some people, you know, they, they pay attention and they vote. And, you know, even those that think that their vote doesn't matter, when it comes to the gas pump, I don't care. I don't think they care whether they're Republican or Democrats. This cannot continue. It cannot continue. And no one's going to hand them extra vouchers for gas. And so I believe that they will come out of woodwork um, to vote. If nothing else, to vote for a change that there will be control over our gas prices, uh, food shortages. They've got, before, you know, they were, people have been pretty. I wish they wouldn't, but they're pretty complacent and allow other people to vote to handle their money. And meaning that they let their, I always laugh because people let the person sitting in the car next to them that they don't even know go to the polls for them because they don't go. So people you don't know are helping make your financial decisions. I think, um, I think we're in a new era. I think that's going to change. You got it. We've been speaking with our good friend, Ms. Kelly Perry, State Representative from Executive Council, uh, Executive Committee uh, 19. Kelly, thank you very much for talking to us, and we'll get you back on the show again sometime soon. 
Thank you, George. Take care. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador in San Antonio. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark from Breitbart. Uh, Randy uh, not only is a reporter on the border here, but he is also uh, a former Border Patrol agent. So he gets to see what is happening from uh, both sides of uh, the issue, both enforcement and uh, as well as what is going on as a reporter. Randy, thank you for t- coming to the show uh, tell us what is going on, particularly with all these Ukrainians that are showing up at the uh, at the border. Well, George, it's great to be with you again, and uh, and it's something that you know I'm following here on the border. We are busy down here. It seems like something new happening every day. Uh, one of the things that that I'm looking at right now is is what we are doing about the thousands of, of Ukrainian migrants and refugees that are coming into Mexico. Uh, up until the 24th of April, they were allowing them to come through the bridges and ports of entry from California all the way to Texas. Uh, in, in March, one of the largest spikes that we had in uh, Ukrainian encounters at the southwest border uh, happened, and that was over 5,000 hit the border compared to a thousand in the month of February. And if you look back historically, usually 800 to a thousand Ukrainian citizens try and enter through the Southwest border. What was, uh, what was interesting about that figure is that they're not crossing the river and they're not crossing in through the deserts. Uh, the bulk of those 5,000, some 4,900 and change actually were allowed to come into the country uh, and make their asylum claims at uh, the international ports of entry, which were primarily in, in San Ysidro, California, near the Tijuana border right there with Mexico. So that uh, that has changed now. Uh, now they're going to, and when I say they, the Biden administration has now announced they're going to apply Title 42 on these individuals, these Ukrainians, and stop them from coming in through the bridges. Uh, we know there's thousands still in Mexico, and they've got uh, a difficult choice to make. There's a new program coming out called Uniting for Ukraine, it's a DHS program. It's an online application process, and it's only going to accept applications from Europe. They are not going to accept ap- applications from Ukrainians residing in Mexico. And what's interesting about that is part of the program, they're going to have to have sponsors in the United States. So it just seems a little ironic that as the administration is trying to get rid of Title 42, they're using the Title 42 to keep the Ukrainians at bay and not allow them through the bridges, which in essence will force them to either A, go back to Ukraine, or I'm sorry, back to Europe and apply, or enter illegally through the southwest border, which we know that almost 5,000 were allowed to come through. So it's a big it's a big change for them, and it's, it's a little bit hypocritical, it seems, that uh, what, we're, what we're trying to get rid of from the administration's point of view and take away all the Title 42 restrictions, they're going to use those to stop the Ukrainians. That's a, that is so, so... Uh, I mean, just hypocritical. I can't believe that. Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with they do not want them using ports of entry and impacting uh, the flow of of travel and trade through there. And they're probably worried that since they saw an increase of 4,000 from one month from February to March, a 4,000 increase, they probably don't want to see that grow any and have lines and lines of people at these international bridges. Uh-huh. So they'll basically, in, in an attempt to stop them from coming to Mexico, they're probably going to push these thousands either eventually into the river or the deserts and have the Border Patrol deal with them, which is kind of sad for the Border Patrol because their hands are already already full as it is, and they're going to get even worse You know, if, in fact, Title 42 is, is ended as planned in May. But uh, it, it really, you know, it, it's funny that these are the people that are actually coming from a war zone. They, they are not economic migrants. Uh, most of them did not want to leave their country. It's the bombs raining in, getting them into Poland. Most of them have tried to return back to Ukraine. So it, it's, it's a bit hypocritical, it seems like. Now, the, uh, you know, it, it, again, the other issue to this 
is that it seems like they are encouraging illegal immigration. I mean, if they're going to push them into the deserts and into the river, you know, because that's going to be the best way for them to get in. I mean, by definition, that's uh, what they're encouraging. Well, they're certainly telling them that they are not welcome at a bridge or a port of entry. So it leaves very few options. I think another option is they might travel back to Mexico City, and that's the nearest Ukrainian embassy in Mexico, and try and get relief there. Uh, but it's going to be a difficult situation, and I think we're going to see how it plays out uh, over the next coming weeks. They may try and wait till Title 42 is ended, if it does formally end, and then make another attempt at the bridges. Uh, and or they're going to be pushed over into human traffickers trying to get them across the southwest border illegally, where they, where they can make their asylum claim. Ah, yeah, that's it. The, um, the situation, can you tell us a little bit about this situation with the, um, with the drowning victim, the uh, Texas National Guard, the uh, guardsman that drowned? Yes, that, that was very, very sad. Uh, that that poor soldier, uh, Bishop Evans, he was 22 years old and a specialist uh, from the Dallas-Fort Worth region near Arlington. And uh, he went in the water on Friday morning at 8.30. He believed he saw, from what we know at least now, some people struggling in the river. Uh, he, had, he took off his ballistic vest, uh, his boots, left them on the, on the bank with his walkie-talkie and entered the water. Uh, I'm very familiar with that section of the river, uh, where he where he did jump in and, and it's where a creek meets the the river and it's the flow there is is incredible the currents are very swift so even the best of swimmers would have a hard time getting in and out of that water and especially conducting a rescue so uh you know i was down there on the scene within an hour of when it happened and followed it uh, up until monday when when uh, his body was discovered some two miles away it had, it had floated down river so it was sad for everybody involved you know it's especially sad for his family uh it, it's sad for the other soldiers that are here continuing to do the job that he was trying to do which is secure the, the border in absence of any great federal assistance and them meeting their responsibility uh and it's sad for the other officers and the border patrol agents who covered the the body in the river so it wasn't a very good week for for uh, border security here in eagle pass now uh again let's get back to this uh, title 42 because it's impacting on everybody every every politician is talking about it one way or the other um how big of a rush do you see if they do lift it or when they do well lift it? so there there are going to be some complicating factors that are going to be greater than the rush because uh what ending title 42 means to the border patrol and the resources that they have uh, it takes 10 minutes to process somebody under Title 42 who's amenable to return to Mexico because you're not taking any stories. You're not taking an asylum claim. You're merely saying, because of a pandemic, I'm returning you to where you came from, a name, a date of birth, and that's it. Uh, once that gets turned off, those those people that would have had 10 minutes of processing to, to return to Mexico now are going to have two to three hours oh, wow. of processing. So what's going to happen is really going to be the backlog. It's going to tax the resources in overcrowd, already overcrowded facilities. Yeah. Uh, I know in the plan there's, there's another 5,000 bed space planned for the southwest border. That's not going to be nearly enough. Uh, if they streamline the processing where they can short it, then they're probably going to be releasing people on the honor system, either via parole or a notice to report and not getting placed in the immigration court system. So those things are going to be more impactful, perhaps, than the actual rush itself. The rush will only last so long, but even at, at the normal speed and, and rate of crossings right now, this agency, Border Patrol, is going to be overwhelmed within a few days. Uh, it, it, that's a serious situation because that leaves the communities uh, that's how we ended up with the Haitian crisis. When the crossings came so quick that they couldn't be detained, they were left on a riverbank to make their own shanty towns and shacks and tents and whatever they could get a hold of, and in essence feed themselves for days before a significant federal response came. So we may see something like that playing out, either in Eagle Pass or the Rio Grande Valley or perhaps Del Rio again, and that, that impacts the, the local communities. They have to push their law enforcement resources, their county and state and city government resources in there to help feed these people. So that crisis could be a humanitarian crisis, the likes which we have never seen before along the southwest border. Gotcha. Well, and at the same time, I think that uh, you know when they see that big of a backlog, that uh, that's another argument for uh, uh, the liberal crowd to uh, want or to demand amnesty, so these uh, folks can live uh, a little bit more at ease, so to speak. 
Well, there's certainly growing the population of people. You know, we, we have not talked about dreamers because politically that's just not beneficial to the party anymore. Uh, we've moved on. There's now 15 million estimated people living in an undocumented status. Well, how many will there be in another year of this? Yeah. Uh, so as that party grows of people that need amnesty, I think it becomes more uh, popular for people to try and float that idea because you're growing this in the dark population and uh, and nobody's looking for them. So you're, you're absolutely right. I, I just don't think the argument is, is really playing out on a whole lot of, with a whole lot of people in the political spectrum. I don't see anybody really championing this open border now that we're seeing how many deaths are happening every single day. We're averaging one a day in Eagle Pass alone. Not to mention the DPS trooper that died a few months ago and this poor soldier that just died this week. Right. Well, my friend, we're going to let you go. Uh, we've been speaking with our good uh, buddy, uh, Mr. Uh, Randy Clark from Breitbart. And uh, Randy, thank you very much as usual for keeping us informed. And uh, we'll be calling on you again and sometime soon, I'm sure. Thank you very much, uh, George. If anybody's interested in getting the stories right from the source, they can go to at Randy Clark at BBTX and our world section on Breitbart. They'll find us under Cartel Chronicles. Aha. Uh-huh. Say that again. Give it to them one more time. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Randy Clark BBTX, or they can go to our world section at Breitbart News, and they'll find the Cartel Chronicles. There they're going to find a voice that people get living in fear on both sides of the border. You got it. Thank you very much, Randy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we have uh, our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman, from the Center for Immigration Studies. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because he's uh, written a couple of articles that are really, really concerning, or should be very concerning to all of us, uh, particularly in light of um, Mayorkas's, uh, uh, Secretary Mayorkas's comments on uh, Wednesday before the, uh, before the, the, the House committee saying that um, there was, uh, that the border is under control. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how he said that with a straight face. However, uh, uh, our, Mr. Benzman here, our Todd, our good buddy, has written two articles regarding this, the uh, government publishing uh, a list about the, the uh, terrorists that are crossing the border as well as the 42 that uh, we know of, heaven knows how many others, have ex- have uh, gotten through and have not been detected. So, uh, Todd, talk to us. What? Give us an update. What's going on with this? Well, this really started with uh, uh, Fox News putting in a FOIA request months ago for you know the number of terrorists, uh, people who are on the watch list, who have been encountered or caught at the border. And they finally got that and published it, put it out there in a big way uh, for days on end, really, uh, on internet and on TV, that 23 watch-listed terrorists were were caught crossing in 2021 alone. And concurrently, uh, Representative Chip Roy had put in his own request for the number that had crossed or been apprehended at the border from the day of inauguration, Biden's inauguration forward. And that came back at about the same time, a few days after the Fox News one, at 43 uh, at the at the land border between the ports of entry and at the ports of entry, so on the bridges. So somewhere between 23 and four, uh, 20, 23 and uh, 22 and 43 or whatever it is in there, uh, cross the border and kind of put it, a bug in people's ear, a reminder that, you know, there is this national security issue uh, that goes beyond drug running and sex trafficking and all of the other, you know, illegal immigration in general, and all the other ills and problems that are associated with an open border, that there's this other issue happening in the mix. Uh, and, 
that I think prompted a, a flurry of additional congressional inquiries to Customs and Border Protection for more information about the terrorists who are crossing. And that prompted yesterday the CBP to po- start uh, posting the numbers of land border apprehensions of people who are on the FBI's terrorism watch list. It's up on their site right now. It went up very quietly, but you can go to that and it's going to supposedly going to be updated regularly. This is like a really interesting first time ever kind of a, of a data point. It has its problems, but, you know, at least it's a start. The, uh, you know, so let's make sure that people understand. Besides the fact that uh, the general fact that we've got illegal immigration going on, millions of them, okay? We've got that happening. We also now have have the issue of uh, criminals that are getting in, rapists, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We have drugs and contraband, uh, human smuggling going on. Then to uh, top it all, now we have to worry about terrorists. Oh, disease. Let's not forget that. Diseases. But now we've got uh, terrorists to worry about. Uh, right, well, it, it, uh, amazing. <laughs> well, right. And, you know, all of this is stands in contrast to testimony by Alejandro Mayorkas the other day before the House Homeland Security Committee. I think that was the committee where he said the, the border is under control. Yeah. No, pro- no problem at the border. He said it uh, with a straight yeah, face. It's just like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what planet he lives on, but it suggests mental illness. Uh, I mean, I don't know how else to, you know, characterize that except that you know there's a problem uh, with that guy, and and you know, I, I would say a personal problem that he needs to go get checked out. Uh, you know, I don't mean to sound hyperbolic about that, but I mean that's just, I mean, you know. It, it, is the, it is that, absolutely I mean, ridiculous. It really is. The uh, yeah, I, I mean, it harkens this, to a, a, a deeper problem. I think with with that that individual. Well, how do we how do we approach this? Uh, I mean, I, I this morning I am I am absolutely thinking about how the uh, the the statistic or, or the report that the economy. Uh, has has shrunk uh, one per one point seven percent. Inflation is at eight point four percent. That's what they want to admit. I think it's a lot higher. But then on top of that, we're adding millions and millions of illegals uh, to our uh, or or immigrants. Let's just call them immigrants at this point. But we're adding millions and millions of people uh, to the uh, to the country. How the heck are we going to handle this? Well, uh, I guess we'll just have to um, deficit spend our way at the state, local, and federal level to, uh, you know, absorb, you know, all of these millions of people. I think they're they're looking at about, we've let in, keep in mind, we have let in that we know about 1.3 million. Now, we've had about 2.4, 2.5 million actually be apprehended, but we push back the, a lot of those under Title 42, and they keep trying, and we keep having to deal with them again and again, but under Title 42, but when Title 42 lifts, there'll be no further uh, speed bump or screen at all. Everybody who comes in will then be allowed right into the country. They'll just have to let everybody in because they can't handle the Capacity even to do expedited removals. They can't even follow the law. They'll be so overwhelmed. And so we're looking at, you know, literally, you know, by the end of the year, you know, three, four, five, six million people. It just depends on what happens after 42. They're expecting 18,000 a day through there. So you're going to feel that in your school district. You're going to have to pay for bond issues to pay for more teachers, to buy uh, portable classrooms to put on the back lot. 
uh, you'll see your tax rates go up there and you'll see uh, your hospital emergency rooms clogged up. Uh, good luck if you get sick and need to go to the emergency room in your local community. <clears throat> but then, you know, the public welfare roles are going to swell. They have changed all the rules. Uh, the administration has changed all the rules now that had, that had blocked public welfare from people to make it make all immigrants eligible for public welfare. They're, they're doing everything possible to pay every possible bill for every single migrant coming over the border. So, you know, I mean, that's just going to add to the deficit and uh, inflation and everything else. And, you know, I mean, there's, there are crime issues that are too complicated to even get into here, but you're going to feel uh, a public safety impact from all of these strangers who you have no idea what their criminal histories are in their home countries. And frankly, uh, we're already feeling a lot of crime and seeing a lot of different kinds of crime, you know, murders and DWI, manslaughters and uh, gang activity in the, in the cities. And uh, you're going to have, you know, fiscal implications that, that, um, impact county governments and boroughs and at every level people should start to feel this they're already feeling it they're already seeing it and feeling it yeah. but if, if they haven't yet uh, by the end of this year once they lift title 42 nobody will be able to escape this uh, that's you know it, it is, these are frightening times I mean that's the only way that I can describe it these are frightening times we are reaching a point where uh, it, it, it's just uh, so anti-American. Uh, I just cannot describe it in any other form. Tell the folks about um, where they can follow you and your book. Okay, well, you can follow me at tbensman at Getter, G-E-T-T-R, and Benzman Todd at Twitter. And my book is America's Covert Border War, and that is available on Amazon or pretty much anywhere books are sold online, America's Covert Border War, which is all about this jihadist threat that is elevated right now as a result of the mass migration crisis. You got it, buddy. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, keep up the good work and keep us informed, buddy. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, in San Antonio. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And we have a great guest with us today, my friends, Mr. Dinesh D'Souza. I am so happy to get him on the show. Uh, we're going to chat with him about uh, his movie. I mean, we've uh, we've all been hearing about it. And uh, we want to get uh, his perspective. And, I, you know, first of all, I want to I tell everybody that I met we met when we were both very, very young in the Reagan administration at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, I, you know, he impressed me there. He is obviously impressing, impressing us now. Denise, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today. Tell us about your movie. The movie is called 2,000 Mules, and right away I should explain what a mule is. Well, we've heard of mules, I think, in the context of drug trafficking or sex trafficking, human trafficking. Well, we're talking about mules in the context of ballot trafficking. Uh, a mule is a paid operative del delivering fraudulent and illegal votes 
to mail-in drop boxes in the key swing states. And so the movie is an investigative expose of the 2020 election, revealing a massive network of coordinated election fraud perpetrated by the left and by the Democrats in all the key swing states from Arizona to Georgia to Wisconsin to Michigan to Philadelphia. We're not talking about suspicions of fraud or anomalies. We're talking about documented fraud and fraud that is often visible on video and the videos are shown in the movie wow now it's very very interesting because here in texas we have have a history of what they call politiqueras these ladies that um literally uh gather votes uh for for candidates that pay them and uh you know i guess we could call them something like mules i mean it's a historical fact that they have been doing that uh in in these uh hispanic communities forever is uh, is that similar to what uh, you found? Yeah, it's a little bit similar. I want to emphasize that there is a, a little bit of a difference between <clears throat> between vote harvesting, which is in some states allowed, is in some states legal, oh, and uh, ballot trafficking. So what we've shown is that you've got these left wing nonprofit organizations in places like Atlanta and Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, and these places accumulate, I call them vote stash houses because they accumulate these illegal ballots. Then they hire the mules, and who are the mules? They're typical Antifa types. It's like, hey, listen, I want you to put on a hoodie, uh, go in the middle of the night between 12 midnight and say 3 a.m. in the morning, and go to a whole bunch of drop boxes, not dropping 100 or 200 ballots in a drop box, because that would create a spike in the votes and people would be suspicious, but go drop three votes here, five votes there, ten votes here, and this way no no eyebrows are going to be raised. And so what we do is through cell phone geo-tracking, we're able to track these mules going from one drop box to the other and, um, and, um, and depositing tens and ultimately hundreds of thousands of illegal votes. So we're not talking about some minor fraud. We're talking about a fraud big enough to swing the entire presidential election. Oh, you know, what's really, really interesting is uh, how many times I have been told or we have heard uh, the uh, the denial by the mainstream media in particular. Do you have, I mean, I've been asked several times, what evidence do you have? You know, and, uh, you know, you, you point out facts and they still don't accept that. Uh, how do you think? Well, I mean, if you think about it, the, the thing that they say doesn't even follow, even if you had no evidence, because they say it was the most secure election in history. <laughs> what is the evidence that you have of systematic fraud? And let's say I, ha- I say I have none. It still doesn't follow it was the most secure election in history. So this has become a mantra that they idiotically and robotically repeat, yeah. even though there's no rational basis for it. Now, the movie will settle the issue. I mean, it'll blow that nonsense right out of the water, because the fraud that we show is is using the official surveillance cameras of the states themselves. This is not video that some guy took from his truck by turning on his iPhone. This is the video from the state of Georgia. This is video from Michigan. Uh, This is the official surveillance video legally obtained through public information records, and you can actually see the network of crimes being committed in front of your two eyes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, How do you think the... What do you think the reaction is going to be from these uh, leftists? I mean, I, I can just hear them screaming and yelling now. Well, the first step is how do we prevent Dinesh's movie from being seen uh, by people, but particularly by our own side? Because one of the uh, one of the things the left does with its own media and its own digital platforms is they keep their own side in a bubble. They don't want any honest Democrat to walk into a theater, even by mistake, because that guy would come out shaking. Why? Because everything he's heard from the New York Times and CNN is just straight out lies, and he's going to basically start reevaluating his entire worldview. They don't want that to happen, so they're going to do make a supreme effort to ignore the movie. If they can't, they will then move into ultimate vilification. Oh, you know, Dinesh is a felon. He was pardoned by Trump. He's just trying to sort of repay Trump. So they'll attack my motives. And, you know, none of this is even relevant here because what we're showing you is we're showing you the same cell phone geo-tracking that the CIA used to track Bin Laden, that the FBI used to bust and arrest a lot of the January 6th defendants. Law enforcement uses the same technology every single day. So uh, your cell phone has a unique ID. It's like a cell phone digital fingerprint. And so this technology is 
irrefutable. And, and of course, the videos are irrefutable, just like in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Once you saw the video, you really could see what was happening. And the same is going to be true here. So even though they're going to make all kinds of efforts to deflect, deny, vilify me, none of it's going to matter because the evidence is contained in the movie itself. Now, we want to point out to the folks that the movie is going to be showing in San Antonio at the Macrilos Mall, uh, as well as uh, at uh, the Cinemark uh, Theater on 410 up here on the north side. And um, you can go online. I believe that the theater, that uh, both showings on the north side have already been sold out, but there are seats available on the south side at Macrilos. So, folks, you got to get out there and, and, uh, and watch this movie. Uh, how long did it take you to document all this? I mean, how, how long did it take you to put, put this thing together? Well, I worked in partnership with an organization, a research organization, also based in Texas, called True the Vote. And oh, yes. the ones who secured the geo-tracking data, uh-huh. the ones who made the public information request to get the surveillance video. So they are the research foundation of this movie. And they're acknowledged, of course, and they're also uh, participants in the movie. Um, they've been at, they've been working. I mean, the organization is more than a decade old, and they've been working on this project for many, many months. The movie itself, we moved very quickly because we realized the timeliness of this, and so we've put the movie together really in just a few months. And um, and by the way, you know, don't be disappointed if you can't get the. It's a limited theatrical release. If you can't get tickets in the theater, you can watch at home. There's a virtual premiere on May seventh. You can essentially join it by a kind of Zoom call. You'll have an access code. It screens the movie. There's a live Q and A to follow. Same price as a movie ticket. And later, the movie is going to be available for digital download. So I'm putting it on uncancelable platforms where you, <laughs> you put in your credit card, boom, watch the movie. <laughs> I like that. Yes, because I've noticed there's a tendency to try to cancel cancel us sometimes. Well, on, on this topic more than any other, right? I mean, there's you'll get banned on Facebook or YouTube if you talk about the trans issue or climate change or even COVID in certain respects. But election fraud is the ultimate taboo. I don't even put my trailer up on those platforms because, <laughs> I mean, the, what they're scared about is not disinformation. What they're scared about is information. They want to keep the truth from getting out. So it's really creepy, the point we've come to in our society. And I'm going to try to use this movie as a battering ram to sort of blow the lid off this entire a censorship regime so that people can speak freely. Why shouldn't we be able to talk about election fraud? That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, like like not talking about cancer. I mean, it's a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> Denise, thank you very, very much. Anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? Well, I think that um, I think that this is a movie that's going to open a lot of eyes. And look, I don't even flinch from the ultimate question, which is to say, who really won the presidential election? I'm not going to reveal that now, but that math, that electoral math is in the movie. And it's done not in a kind of haphazard or this is what I'm guessing happened. In a very systematic way, we go through, these were the number of mules. This was the average number of drop boxes. This is how many ballots were stuffed. Let's look at it and break it down state by state. So it's a very eye-opening look at what happened in reality in the 2020 election. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Well, we're, all, we're looking very much forward to, to seeing the movie next week. Thank you very much for taking time. Folks, we're, we're, we're talking with the, the wonderful and great Mr. Denise D'Souza. You keep uh, the fight, babe. You just keep on fighting in there. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. All righty, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Thank you very much for tuning in, my friends. Let me encourage all of you to please tell your friends about our show. We want to, our show is is all about information, informing and educating the public. Please, please, please support us. Let us tell the folks what they are not hearing. Let us tell you about what is going on in the front lines at the border, as well as what is happening in other uh, in other realms of the of the political world. My friends, these are trying times. These are very, very trying times, and we've got to be able to explain in, in, in very simple terms as well as uh, have the testimony of people who are living it to have the, the truth told to you. I mean, I don't know how many of you have heard, but uh, the Biden administration is going to set up something called a disinformation uh, bureau, I, I, you know, a disinformation governance bureau. Now, my friends, I think it's scary if there is a, a, a government agency or a government board or whatever the heck they are, if the government in any form or fashion is going to determine what is information, what is disinformation. 
that's frightening. I don't know. I mean, really, uh, does that mean that, that anything I say has got to be reviewed completely and totally? Does that mean that anything that Breitbart writes is going to have to be ch- reviewed thoroughly? Does that mean anything that Tucker Carlson says or that Dinesh writes about? My friends, it is frightening where we're going with this. And so that's why it's so important that you support, that you please, please, please support alternative media, alternative information like us. I mean, while you may support big, big uh, uh, networks like Fox and like Newsmax, there's a lot of us small, smaller ones, small shows like mine that need your support because we reach information, we reach subjects, we reach topics that the big networks don't have time for. We do a lot of the groundwork that the big, big networks eventually take credit for or eventually focus on. So, my friends, it is critical. It's very, very important that you support us. I want to thank once again uh, our sponsor, uh, uh, Border Hawk News, for their support. If you want to know anything about uh, border crises, about immigration, Border Hawk is the, are, are the folks who will, uh, who will provide that information. You just go to their, net, to their uh, website, borderhawknews.com, and you will have a wealth of information to, uh, to look at. I want to thank, once again, all of my guests, Kelly Perry, Randy Clark, Todd Benzman, and, of course, my very good friend, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, for joining us today. Uh, they, uh, I mean, they have provided us a, a wealth of information. I want to encourage all of you to um, please go to our website, elconservador.net, uh, as well as uh, the Facebook page, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Uh, we, I post uh, daily, I post information of what's going on. <clears throat> I want to uh, also uh, encourage you to, to invite me uh, to come speak at your events. Uh, I will um, I will provide uh, all sorts of information as well as we will have nice dialogue and question and answer. Finally, I want to encourage everyone to please, please uh, buy my book, El Conservador Conservative Opinions. It's available online. It's available. You can order it through a bookstore. Uh, please help us to, uh, to keep uh, afloat. We'll say that. So once again, my friends, thank you very, very much uh, for joining us today. Join us next week again when we'll have some great guests. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you very much for joining us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 